0: Today, we're, we're jumping into a summer series. We're going to kind of ride this into the fall, and we're calling it Slogans. Now, slogans are used far and wide. Companies use slogans to sell a product. Sometimes they use slogans to sort of brand a way of life. Sometimes slogans are used even to sort of sell and saturate your minds with an idea. So to get us started this morning, this is what I want to do. Uh, just, I want you to see how well slogans actually work I'm going to give you a slogan, and you can name the company or the product. Some are more challenging than others. Some are a little bit easier. So I'm going to give you a slogan, and I want you just to blurt it out. You can try to be the first one to say it. If if you're the first one to say it, you don't get a prize. Uh, But we will give you a high five on the way out, all right? Uh, Easy starting off. Number one, just do it. Yeah. Uh, What about the quicker picker-upper? Bounty. You're in good hands. Eat fresh, Subway, Uh, America runs on, not a fan, every kiss begins with, you can spell fantastic, Uh, now this is a little bit harder, this is more, you, you can tell where we transition from like a TV generation to an internet ad generation, so what about this one, anybody belong anywhere, anybody know, it's a hard one, it's Airbnb, apparently their slogan's not that great. Uh, It gives you wings. Red Bull. The best part of waking up. Now here's another hard one. Let's see if anybody knows. Internet generation. Move the way you want. That's Uber. Uber? These guys' marketing teams, they better get on it. Uh, What about this one? That was easy. Staples. There you go. Uh, Bet you can't eat just one? Lay's potato chips. Think outside the bun. Taco Bell. I knew there would be somebody. Have it your way. Burger King. That's what's wrong with society. Everybody wants to have it their way. Now, we could play this game all day and we would see that slogans are incredibly effective because companies, design firms, they come up with sticky phrases that get repeated, 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 repeated. And they lodge in your brain. Now, we can even go back a long time ago. Now, this will will tell your age a little bit. But does anybody remember, where's the beef? Now, I'm not going to say how old that is, but some of y'all know exactly what we're talking about here because slogans work. Now, in the marketplace of ideas, in our culture, there are phrases that get repeated often. And... I think, I wonder sometimes if maybe Satan himself has even written a few of these. Because there are sayings that get repeated and shared and they get, um, you know, they get momentum and people sort of say them without thinking and, and even sometimes Christians repeat them. And the problem is they're not biblical because bad ideas and false teachings, they are everywhere far and wide. Now, I'll give you an example a couple of weeks ago, our, our kids were going to go to the beach with some friends, and Devin was sort of down, and so it landed on me as dad to go buy beach clothes for the kids, uh, and so, you know, I was up to the task. I said, okay, dad can do this, so I started off at Sam's, and I hit, I hit a gold mine, because they had their girls' shorts on sale, two for $10. Two for $10, when you're a dad, you're like, Yes! That's what I'm talking about. So some some affordable shorts. So I got them each several pair enough to kind of get them through the week. And they had these little shirts to match. And the shirts were two for $10 as well. I was like, okay, well, this is a one-stop shop. We're going to get it. Dad is done. I'm going to go home. And then I started looking at the T-shirts, and they had slogans on them. And I didn't buy a single shirt because they were all stupid. And the t-shirts, and I'm not making this up, like when I was there, I knew we were kind of moving this direction. I was like, okay, I got to write some of this down. This, this is what some of the t-shirts said. The first one said, you're enough. Sounds good, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel good to know that you're enough until you start asking for what? Because, because here's the thing, and maybe you think I'm being picky. Maybe I am. I can be picky sometimes. Uh, the fact is we're not enough, are we? The fact right, is that we fundamentally lack something, that we need Jesus, that we need help that we're broken people. Another t-shirt had plastered across the front of it, just be you. And I get that to some degree. There's a kernel of the truth there. Be yourself. You should be sort of yourself and not be a hypocrite. But here's the problem with that. Me, who I am, unfortunately, is a broken sinner. And instead of wanting to be me, Scripture tells me to model and be like who? Like Christ, right? Right? It's kind of, kind of sneaky, isn't it? Then I came across another one that said, girl power, hoorah. And I thought, that's cute. And then I thought, I'm not raising little feminists here. <laughs> now, I think girls are incredible. I'm, I'm raising two, and one is raising me. <laughs> but I thought, girl power, well, you know, you never see guy power on a shirt, do you? No, 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 we're not going to do that. Um, girls and boys are both wonderful created beings they both have strengths and deficits and they both complement each other and here's here's the truth God made it so that men and women complement one another it's this incredible design but every stinking shirt I picked up had something dumb on it so I said buy Sam's your shorts are great we went elsewhere and I did what any sensible dad would do I bought him t-shirts with Spider-Man and Jigglypuff And I came home, and best compliment I've ever gotten from Hadley. You are awesome at shopping, Dad. And I thought, well, there you go. It's because I didn't bring home those stupid T-shirts. But poor slogans are everywhere. And then we bring in the internet and social media. And don't feel bad if you've done this because I've done it, but sometimes somebody posts something and it sounds inspirational and it sounds encouraging and it sort of just hits a nerve. And you go to click share And right before your your finger hits the button, you think, hold on a second, Is, is what I'm about to share, is this actually true? Does it celebrate the good, the true, and the beautiful? Does it measure up to what God's word says? Because slogans are everywhere. Society is full of them and they get repeated, they get shared, they get passed around. And we live in a time where, first of all, and I don't mean this rude or ugly, but first of all, where people really struggle to think critically in the day and age that we're here. In the day and age that we're at. Um, They struggle to think critically about what they hear and what they see. When we're in a day and age where people look inwardly and they, they follow their hearts, we are in a time when people want truth to bend to their preferences and their desires and their opinions. When in fact as a Christian, I'm to be bent, my will is to be bent to God's word and not God's word bent and conformed to my will. And let me say this, as a Christian, if you are going through life and you never struggle with what scripture says, or you never felt, feel sometimes sort of, maybe it's not a better word, but sort of beat over the head by what God says, if you never feel challenged, you may not be worshiping God, you may just be worshiping you. And we're all there sometimes where we worship us instead of, God but society is is good about passing these these phrases these slogans around and they get repeated and they may have a kernel of the truth but in fact they're harmful and they are just ultimately lies and I've even seen it seep into the church where falsehood gets accepted as truth now A.W. Tozer he wrote this it's been many years ago I'd be curious what he what his commentary would be on our, our current times but this is what he said he says, too much of contemporary Christianity is borrowed from the philosophies of the world and even other religions. Phrases and mottos that on the surface look great, but they're not rooted in scripture are that mostly just bolster our own self-image. And so here's what I want to do over the summer. I think hopefully this will be uh, where we learn and we learn and grow deeper in God's word. But I think also this will be just an enjoyable time for us as well. We're going to look at some of the most popular slogans of our day, things that I hear at least on a weekly basis, and we're going to see how some of these slogans that permeate our society, how they actually stack up with what God teaches in his words. Sayings like we're looking at today, live your truth, or you do you. Uh, Sayings like love is love. It doesn't matter who you love, as long as you love. Sayings like, well, God just wants me happier or follow your heart or one of their T-shirts. You are enough or believe in yourself. Or what about this? I hear this sometimes too. Christians aren't supposed to judge. You ever judge somebody, judge your pants? Don't do it because you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. Sayings like God won't give me more than I can handle or Christians have blind faith. And so that's sort of the direction that we are headed. And so today the slogan that we're looking at is live your truth. Live your truth. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to start off with thought number one. And the question is this How do we know what's true and what's false? How do we know up from down, left from right, good from evil, right from wrong, true from false? Well, you, really, there's only a few options. I'm going to share those with you. Number one, and we're going to give this whole first thought a Sunday of its own. Um, Some people look for truth by looking within and by following what seems best to them. That is to say, they listen to their heart. As Jiminy Cricket said, let your conscience be your guide. In their own frame of reference, that's how they determine true and false. Now this is just sort of packaged humanism is all it is. Judges 17.6 says this, during a time in, in Jewish history, And the people did what was right in their own eyes. That is to say, they guided themselves. That's one option. We see it a lot. Another option to know the truth is you can follow the herd. That is to say, many people distinguish right from wrong based on the majority view of the people around them. So if majority think this is okay, well then it must be okay. Now, we can look around right now and know that's not working. Can we not? We can look around and know that that is not a success because the herd will lead you straight off a cliff. And some people look to society and they want society to tell them how to think. And I don't think that's a great idea. Our our other option in knowing truth from false, and obviously this is where I land as as a Christian, is scripture, is God's word. It is an appeal to timeless, changeless objectivity. Scripture is constant. It's it's beyond us or outside of us. It's a fence that gives us boundaries. And I'm thankful for boundaries. It is a foundation on which we can build our lives. It is walls that give us structure. So let's jump in together. The slogan is live your truth. And I hear this all the time. Packaged in different ways, sometimes it's you do you. You know, you, you do your thing. I may not be on board, but if that's for you, then you do that. Or sometimes it's don't let anyone tell you how to live. You live your truth. You determine what's right for you. It may not be right for me, but if it's good for you, you live your truth. And so what I wanna do is I wanna talk about this slogan. We'll do this every week. I wanna make some observations and I wanna give a response. And I thought we would begin here uh, because this topic is sort of foundational. Uh, truth is, is incredibly important. And I know it's incredibly important because Jesus said this, he said, I came to testify to truth. He says, the reason I came is to testify to what is true. So that's asked ask this question. If you're taking notes, second thought, what is truth? Now, if you ask our kids, what is truth? Uh, this is the answer they'll give you. As a matter of fact, I quizzed Hadley on it this morning. This morning I was in my office looking over everything for Sunday, refreshing my mind. I said, Hadley, what's truth? And she said, oh, that's kind of a hard one. And she said, truth is the right thing to do. I said, yeah, but you remember a little while ago when we talked about it, what definition did we give you? And she pulled it up. And she said, truth is what is really real. Truth is what is really real. Now, I'm going to give you a little more of a grown-up definition. Truth is the correspondence of a statement or a thought to reality. Truth is the correspondence of a statement or a thought to reality. That is to say, when we say something or think something and it matches up to the way things are really structured, that is truth. Now, here's where it gets difficult because many things sound true, don't they? Many things sound really, really good. And there are anchors and there are influencers on social media, and there are published public speakers who can make something sound incredibly attractive. But the thing is, it doesn't matter how good it sounds. What matters is, does it conform to reality? Now, back in 2005, Stephen Colbert, who I'm not a great fan of, but I like what he said here, uh, he coined a term, truthiness. And he says, it used to be that everyone was entitled to their own opinion, but not their own facts. But that isn't the case anymore. Facts don't matter. Perception is everything. Truthiness is what I say is right and nothing else. Now, doesn't that word sort of capture the time that we live in? It sounds truthy. It sounds good. Everybody's repeating it. Seems sensible to me. So I guess that's correct. Now, quickly, I want to share with you some some characteristics of truth. You know, I used to get to teach logic to high school students, and I loved it, and they loved it. And the reason they loved it is because they could go home and argue with their parents very, very well. Now, their parents did not love it too much, uh, but I would teach them some some of the fundamental characteristics of truth, and I just want to share these with you today. And then we're going to get into some scripture. Uh, Number one, truth is non-contradictory. What do we mean by that? I mean this. That two statements that contradict one another can't both be true in the same time and in the same way. I can't be married and not married at the same time. Now, you know, Muslims will say that Jesus was a prophet. As Christians, we say Jesus is God. Both of those things can't be true, can they? Now, you're telling me that a religion is wrong? You intolerant bigot. Who are you to say that someone else is wrong? But here's the, here's the truth. We both can't be right if we're saying contradictory things. It's the way truth works, unfortunately. What else do we know about truth? We know that it's absolute, that it doesn't depend on time. It doesn't depend on place. It doesn't depend on condition. Now, here's the thing. What's true was true 2,000 years ago. And that same truth is still true today. Amen, church? You with me? Two of you, great. (laughs) Also, we'll say this about truth, that it's something that is discovered, that it exists independently of us. We don't make it up. You know, even before we understood the theory of gravity, did you know that a couple thousand years ago when people fell, they still hit the earth? Is that amazing? Because that's the way truth works, Truth is descriptive. We've said this, that it's the agreement between our minds and reality. And it's inescapable. You can't, you can't run. You may not be able to handle the truth, to quote a very patriotic movie. Um, but you can't deny the truth because it's, it's there. So truth is what is really real. Now, obviously, as a Christian, I believe that Scripture is truth. Why is that? Because it, I think it best conforms to the world around us. I think it best conforms to reality. I think it answers the big questions in life. The Bible is the divine word of God. It is our anchor point. Live your truth. It's a popular slogan, but how does it stack up to what Scripture says? So let's ask this question together. Is it biblical? Is the phrase live your truth, is it biblical? Now they're essentially saying you live according to what you think is true. What you think to be true, it can be different from what I think to be true. Let's see what Scripture says here about this idea. I'm going to give you several different uh, scriptural references. I'm going to read them to you. If you want to write them down, it'll save you some time flipping through your, your Word or, or your app, whichever you're using. John 14:6. here's what Jesus says. John 14:6. Jesus said, he said, I am the way, not a way. He said, I'm the way. And then he follows that up with, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, Jesus was explicit. He said he is the truth. This is exclusive. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is why many people do not like Christianity. Because it doesn't leave any wiggle room. Jesus said it is this way. These are the narrow parameters of what it means to live in the truth. Go into the Old Testament, Malachi 3.6. It says, for I, the Lord, do not change. God says, my very nature, who I am, truth flows from God. And so it doesn't change. We'll see this again, the same thought in the New Testament in James 1.17, where it says, there's no variation. There's no shadow or change in God. Now, as a, as a Christian church, I find that incredibly comforting, don't you? To know that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That I'm not having to guess, okay, what do I have to do to be right with God? That I don't have to guess, what is it, how am I going to live my life in such a way? that I'm not going to do damage to my life. And sometimes we can sow seeds that are irreparable. We can be forgiven for anything, but the consequences of our actions, sometimes we live with those for years and years and years. And so as a Christian, I take incredible comfort in knowing that God, his word, and what's true, what's right and wrong, never are in flux, never change. Jesus would say this in Matthew 7:24. everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. That is to say God's word is our sure foundation. You can build your life upon it. Now storms are gonna come. Hurricanes are gonna batter the house. However, we have this firm foundation of truth. Jesus would also say this, John eight thirty one. He says, if you abide in my word, He says, you're truly my disciples. He says, and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus says this, that the truth is knowable. And it's not just an idea, it's a message, yes, but it's also a person. It's the knowledge of the gospel, but it's also the person of Jesus. And so the the biblical data shows us this, that there is in fact truth, yet it's singular and so the slogan, live your truth, not only is it wrong, but it's also anti-biblical. That is to say, it sets itself up against the gospel. And it shows up heavily in our day in the form of not just relativism, but moral relativism. That is the idea that we get to define our own morality. Now, let me be honest with you. If I were able to define my own morality, my life would be a complete mess if I live my life in such a way that I did what was right in my own eyes, my life would be a complete mess. And so what does this mean? It means that we are all bound by the truth of God's word. And that applies to kids and it applies to adults as well. And that's why as a parent, I should never say, do as I say and not as I do, because me and my kids, we are bound by the same truth. If it was wrong 2000 years ago, guess what? Wrong today. If it was right 2,000 years ago, then it's right today. So can your truth be different from my truth? Well, based on the biblical data alone, the resounding answer is no. But could we go a smidge further and get just a, a little philosophical this morning? My truth can't be different from your truth because truth, by nature, what the word means is it's the correspondence or a thought or a statement to reality. So truth has to match reality. And if everyone's truth is right, well, then nothing is right. Truth becomes meaningless. It becomes the ultimate participation trophy where everybody wins, everyone is right, and nothing has any meaning anymore. And we are descending closer and closer to this place where as a society, nothing has meaning. And yet we want to wonder why anxiety is through the roof why depression is through the roof, why people hurt themselves and hurt one another, it's because meaning has been pulled out. And some people say, well, what if we can't know the truth? Well, even if you can't, if you can't track it down, it doesn't mean it's not there. There's the amazing thing about God, is he has given us this light, this beacon that we can come to and that we can know the truth. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 118, God says this. He says, come. And he says, let us reason together. Let us, let us talk. If you will come and study to show yourself approved, you can understand the truth. He says, come let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Now, as we near the end of our time together, can we ask this question? What's wrong with living your truth? What's wrong with telling someone, hey, you live your truth? Well, here's what I believe. I believe ideas have consequences, church. I believe that ideas have consequences and you can believe something sincerely and be sincerely wrong. What is the fallout from living your truth? You know, I, my truth can be, you know, I believe that drinking poison won't hurt me, but guess what? It will. I can believe that living in immoral lifestyle won't hurt me, but guess what? It will. I can believe that my actions only affect me and they don't impact anyone around me. It doesn't matter what I believe. The fact is the way that I live my life sends ripples out and it will affect the people that are close to me. I can believe that I am good enough to get to heaven and good enough to get to God. But the fact is scripture says this, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. So telling somebody, live your truth, you do you. I believe It's one of the most unloving things we can say to someone else because as a Christian, I have the truth. And to let someone drift unmoored in a sea of moral relativism is not me loving anybody. Living your truth is damaging because it's a lie because you don't have your truth. There is only the truth. We have to love people enough to be honest. Kind, yes. Please be kind. The Bible says that The world will know us by our love as Christians. But let me be honest with you, I would rather hurt somebody's feelings with the truth than to sugarcoat and to lie to them with a mistruth. And we live in a time where people have this mistaken notion that if you disagree with me, then you must hate me. If you disagree with what I think, then you you just don't like me. But here's the absolute truth. As a Christian, the reason that I disagree with certain ways of thinking and philosophies and religions and worldviews, it's not because I hate you. Rather, it's because I love you. So I think we need a better slogan. So to live your truth, how about this? How about live the truth? Let me read the psalmist to you. Psalm 8611 writes this, teach me your way, O Lord that I may walk in your truth, unite my heart to fear your name. Lord, teach me your ways. Help me to walk in your truth. Help me to live in the light. And so this morning, I want to ask you, church. Are you living the truth? Does your life reflect the fact that you have the truth? Does it flow out of you in practical ways? In practical ways such as this, how do you treat other people? How do you treat the people around you? What about this? How's your thought life? Now, we're meddling now, are we not? What are the things that go through your mind? What do your morals look like? Is there anywhere that you are compromising? Is there anywhere that you water down God's word to be liked or accepted? Are you doing what God says do? Are you giving to the Lord? Are you serving? Are you worshiping? Are you confessing your sins? You know, as Christians, we should keep a very, very short list of unconfessed sins. We should be constantly confessing to God. Let me ask you this. Are you holding on to any secrets? Anything in your life that's unconfessed that needs to be confessed? And you say, well, I talked to God about it. Wonderful. Please keep doing that. Confess your sins to God. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. 1 John 1.9. But also believe in this. That if you have secrets, it has to be confessed to some, to another believer that you trust, or you will struggle with that secret for the rest of your life. We were saying in the Fultz household, secrets make you sick, and I firmly believe that. That as long as you have secret sins, it's very difficult to walk in the truth. What about this church? Are you sharing your faith? Are you reading God's word and letting it saturate your mind? John eight thirty one and thirty two. Jesus said this. He says, "If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciple." And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And can I remind you of this? You know, it's 4th of July weekend. Uh, Tuesday's the 4th of July. This is when we commonly think of, of freedom. We celebrate freedom. As Americans, we love our freedom in our country, right? America, amen? But let me remind you of this. Let me remind you of this. Christianity is what leads to our ultimate Freedom. Now, often people look at Christianity and they see Christianity as restrictive. They see Christianity as a a group of people concerned that somewhere someone's having fun, right? They see us as, as restrictive. But here's what I've come to know even more so as I've grown and walked with the Lord. That when God tells us what he tells us, it's for my good. And that ultimately it leads to my freedom. It leads to a place where I can put my head on my pillow at night and rest and knowing that I'm where I'm supposed to be, that I have a relationship with God, that I'm at peace with the people around me, that I can lead a quiet, sensible life and not have the repercussions that are rolling in because I've chosen to do life my way. See, Jesus loved us enough to tell us the truth. And I'm going to give you one last truth this morning. That we are irreparably broken people, save for the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. Thomas Watson said it this way. He said, the greatest of all disorders is to think that we are whole and in need of no help. The greatest of all disorders is to think that we are whole and need no help. Live your truth. It's a slogan. You're going to hear it a lot now, especially that we've talked about it, but it's wrong and it's anti-biblical. The better slogan is church. If we as Christians could live the truth and to be a shining light, a city on a hill for all to see, you know what? We might be part of the change that this country truly needs. So Christians, can I challenge you to daily? myself as well, to live the truth.